Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to the Ron Cat Tie, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. She was Bamba Arena on the Royal Caribbean Oasis of the Seas, and then just finished up on the Asia Tour in Taiwan as a swing. So welcome, Lucy Rice, and thank you for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I have uh, only talked to one person that has been on the Asia Tour, and I talked to them actually when they were not on that tour. They were somewhere else. So you're going to be the first to be able to talk about this production really for me, so... I want to, uh, before I get into Royal Caribbean and the Asia tour, I actually love to start though at the beginning. So let's start at your cat's history. When were you introduced? I know you're a dancer. So was it the 1998 movie that you saw? Was it a production you saw touring? Like when were you first introduced to the show? Oh, I wish. Um, no, I unfortunately was one of those that didn't know about the show very well until I did not it. Not at all. Okay. Uh, not really. Uh, so I, it was actually quite a funny story because I, was living with two of my housemates at the time and they both got auditions for two different productions of Cats and I didn't get one. So I was like, but it's fine. I'm not that fussed. It's okay. And anyway, long story short, they ended up getting cut. That's all fine. But then I ended up getting auditions for both of those again, like later on. And then I ended up getting the ship. So <laughs> it was quite funny that it was- So which were like, the two? So I also was for the international tour, but I got a couple rounds through and then that was, that was it. Um, and then auditioned and I was actually late cast for the, uh, for the Royal Caribbean production. So I literally just did one self tape for, uh, Bombula Arena. And then I arrived about a week later than everyone else, um, and started rehearsals. So, uh, it was and pretty quick. at that quick. point, you know, nothing. You know, nothing and I about didn't the show. really know anything. It was like I had to record Macavity for the um, for the videotape, and I was there at work at my donut shop that I worked at, just learning the song because I'd heard it maybe once or twice, but uh, didn't know it. And I think any kind of musical theatre student has learned the Copeland section of the Jellicle Ball at least once or twice in their lifetime. Um, so I roughly knew that, but I actually had just done the international tour audition the week before I did the tape. So I'd learned it there. <laughs> so thankfully I could get the tape done pretty quick. Um, but yeah. And so I got to the rehearsals and I was like, sat there with the director, um, who is, he lives and breeds cats, the director at Royal Caribbean. So I sat down and I just felt so nervous. I was thinking, God, and maybe I should have maybe I should have done some research before I got to this job. Like yeah. it was my first professional job. I was like, I don't want to look bad. Um, but I sat there in front of him and he goes, so uh, Lucy, what do you know about cats? Do you know anything about it? And I honestly just to sit there and go, no, <laughs> not much. Um, but he kind of loved that, that he could tell me, he sat and told me the whole story and he went into so much detail about it that I, loved it loved hearing his passion for it and it made me go into the rehearsal process and kind of understand what we were doing um so i'm kind mm -hmm. of grateful that that's how i got into the show because i came at it from like a a creative point of view rather than watching it and not really understanding what was going on 
because I personally think I would have watched the show and just gone, if I had seen the show, I'd watched it and gone, don't get it. <laughs> Which is why I think it's yeah. a bit of a controversial show as it is. Um, so, why some people. So I want you to bring me back to that moment of when he tells you, sits you down, you know nothing, and walks you through the whole thing. What was going through your head? Like, were you like, wow, I didn't, I never knew this, this, there was this much? Or like, were you blown away by that? It was very overwhelming because I'd, I'd heard memory. So I knew that and I knew it was mm-hmm. a show about cats, but I didn't realize that it could be such a detailed storyline. And especially going through the rehearsal process as well, like every single little moment has a meaning, which was, crazy to me that a lot of the time the audience wouldn't even see that but in order for us to be able to tell an authentic story in a way of being cats we have to know all these little details mm-hmm. that might not even be known to an audience um and he was telling me that before i'd even started the rehearsal so i was like wow this is this is a lot <laughs> um yeah but i as soon as he was telling me about it and like I got into the rehearsal process, I was like, wow, I love, I love this show. It's so me, which is really funny knowing that I was looking back on it and being like, I'm not that fussed. I didn't get an audition. Don't really want to, not that fussed about cats anyway. It doesn't seem like a show for me. I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> yeah. So you, I, I kind of love that moment. Now you're on the, the, this is now the 90 minute version, right? So you you're past the point where they, they've cut out bust the fur and a couple of the other pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it still made sense to me cause that's all I knew. So yeah, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, definitely now that I've done the, the full version of the show, it's, it's definitely shortened. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. So I, I want to hear, do you, what do you remember from the Royal Caribbean time? Do you have any, it sounds like the the tour or like the the production is crazy with stories because it's on a ship you know it's kind of like you know built the ship's built around the whole stage and everything so what stories do you remember what are some of the crazy fun uh memories from doing on the ship i mean it's uh it's a whole different ball game doing it for an audience of people that aren't necessarily there to see cats it's the entertainment that's provided mm-hmm. for them. So it was definitely like a, we had to really, really love the show. Not that the audience didn't enjoy it because they definitely did a lot of the time, but we were very aware that like there were moments where people would leave halfway through and we had to go, that's fine. Um, but we would make fun for ourselves in the show as, as I mean, it helped that we did love doing the show, um, but just, just moments like, you know, we'd have a rocky show and things would go different. I, I remember doing one part of the show and I was on one side of the stage. And next thing I know I was on the other because um, the ship went on its own, <laughs> like rocked a bit. But um, yeah, it was it was more just funny, like seeing actually sometimes when we'd see that we'd converted audience members to actually like, they'd probably sit down and be a bit skeptical about the show. And then they would... We'd see them by the end and they loved it. And we were like, that's that's why we're doing it because you never know what fans you could find even on a ship. But yeah, it was it was weird doing it on the ship, especially now that I've done it not on the ship. Uh, it's a whole different yeah, thing. It's a, it's a paid audience versus an unpaid audience. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a part that you're kind of referencing to that's, that's so much different of like you're, 
everyone that's going when you're in Taiwan has, has made a choice and, and invested in going versus everyone on the ship has invested in going on a cruise and have decided mm-hmm. to give you all 90 minutes of their time on the cruise and, but with no other investment to it, you know, it's just yeah. like, oh, I could pop in and then I could pop out. Yeah. Although despite that, what was funny to me is that, um, because it was like an, an American audience and like a Taiwanese audience, which is what I was kind of with there, the culture is so different that the way that they expressed their love for the show was so different. Like an American audience, they're obviously so loud. They're like, they're going to let their love be known. As soon as memory ended, every single show was full of applause and whoops and cheers. We'd get to Taiwan and we knew they loved the show because they paid to come and see it. They would tell us, we'd see them at stage door. They absolutely adored what we did, but they were so much more reserved that it felt weird to me that um, I was like, but how do these guys love this so much? And they're like, we'll get to memory and there'll be silence. But it's because their way of kind of expressing it and kind of feeling the show is just to sit and enjoy it. So that was weird. That was a weird uh, thing for me to experience. Oh, I, I love that. I, but I loved um, it. I know. I live in New York, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of the, you know, I get to go to a lot of theater here. And you're right. Our our American crowds are are sometimes a little over the top. And there's been some shows where I'm like, all right, people chill, calm down, and quit talking. And I would love to sit in a theater where you could just appreciate the art. Uh, mm. And so that sounds almost therapeutic. Because we'd go into the, the audience as well. When we'd go into the audience, and they'd be sat there looking at us like, oh my gosh, that I can't believe they're so close to me. I can't believe the cats are in the audience. They're looking at me. They're like interacting with me. And I'd be thinking like. Oh my god! Like I can't believe we can do this for them. So we can see it on their faces how much they're loving the show. But yeah, it just gets to the end of a number, and it's a really polite applause. <laughs> it's just like wow, really, really funny the difference. And then you'd come out of the show on the ship, and you'd see someone and be like, mm, "The show wasn't for me." And I'm like, "But you, but you, were not, I don't know." <laughs> just so we've definitely had our fair share of. Well, I've definitely had my fair share of like a range of audiences which changes the energy on the stage actually as well. Definitely. So let's pivot to Taiwan. Cause I have not talked to nearly as many people that have done the, the Asia tour. And you already have highlighted one kind of major difference is that the audience is just in general different. I love, I love that. I know that it's also, I believe, um, more Julian Lin's choreography. So it sounds like you get to go into the audience, but what are, um, some of the differences you notice besides the audience between doing Royal Caribbean and then going on to the full Asia tour? Uh, I mean, it's tricky for me because my rehearsal process for the tour was very short. Um, I was brought in quite last minute for the tour. So I had about four days in London to be told, right, you're going to be covering these roles. It wasn't even really a rehearsal. It was kind of a recap for all the people that had done Korea. Um, And then I was kind of thrown in. So that was a bit strange. not necessarily having the full rehearsal process of it to know the difference between the two productions so much. Um, they were both directed by by different people. We did we were directed by Chrissy Cartwright for this production, and mm-hmm. to work with her was amazing for me. Um, as I say, our director on Royal Caribbean was incredible as well. Um, but I know that Chrissy has done so much work around the show and everything, and her history with the yeah. show. Um, 
so yeah to be able to say I've done the show with her was amazing and I loved her direction of the show um was very um was very minimalized so like you didn't have to necessarily show anything too much but it was all about the thought process which I really appreciated um other than that it was mainly just like the I did find my interactions with everyone on stage were slightly different um whether that was just because it was a different mm. cast I don't know or if it's because their direction that they'd gone through was different to the direction that I'd gone through as in like interacting with people on stage um I never went through that directorial kind of process for the Asia tour because my first show was with 2 hours notice and I'd never done the show with anyone right. on the stage so it was very much being thrown in um but just the stories that you'd have like I'd have a storyline with my Plato McCavity on the ship and then I'd get to the Asia tour and we're doing something slightly different and it was really refreshing actually to do it in a different way um but mainly just my intentions towards things were slightly different um especially because I managed to play bomb blarina in both productions as well mm-hmm. how I approached things like how I approached the um my interactions with Demeter were slightly different and uh but that was mainly just because how I was told to do it was slightly different um yeah so i mean that's so interesting because i think that the there there is like a lot of different variations of the relationships that could be played and i kind of love like thinking back to you sitting on uh you know the I, i just i'm assuming and i don't know if it's actually the case i'm sure you rehearsed not on the ship but like just you sitting on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, just being like told the two out, you know, a day's worth of story of cats and then getting none of that when you go, cause you're kind of, again, thrown in at the last second and it's an emergency. Um, and they're like, Hey, you know, enough, you know, the show you've done it. You kind of know, we don't have to tell you a the whole story. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to let you just go. Cause you know, you can get away with it. If you, if you think that, you know, maybe this is the relationship versus that's relationship, the audience isn't going to notice the difference. Yeah. In a way I kind of enjoyed that because it felt a bit more organic. What my, act- my choices were. Um, I felt like because I was playing the same role every show and I was doing the same thing every show, um, on Royal Caribbean, it was very much like I knew what I was going to do. Um, acting choice wise, not that there was always much difference anyway, but like generally my choices were exactly the same. The show was pretty similar mm-hmm. every night. Whereas with this, especially because there were two roles that I'd never done before in, mm-hmm. thrown in the mix, my choices were different every time I did a show because I was finding new things out. I was acting against different people. Um, the set itself is slightly different. So I would see like a pipe that wasn't on the stage on the ship and I'd be like, well, I'm going to sit on that. Um, but like just things like that, it was, I was able to find that out during the show, which is Mm -hmm. a little bit scary, but also just made the choices a bit fresher and a bit more organically produced rather than it being a a set in motion kind of, uh, thing. Yeah. So you covered bomb Demeter and Jenny Eddie Dodd. So I want to know who'd you go on for first on the, in Taiwan. So I first went on for Demeter actually. Okay. So two hours notice Demeter. I'm curious to hear for the first times that you went on for Demeter and Jenny Eddie Dodds, how much of your depiction of their story 
was what you thought as Bombay Arena from the ship. Like, is that how you it was like, hey, here's what I think that like I was told from the bomb perspective that this is Demeter and this is Jenny. Or did you try to kind of get a little bit from either somebody that had just finished or from Chrissy or from somebody else? Well, with Demeter, I obviously she's like Bomb's sister, like Bomb's yeah. partner in crime. So I'd spend a lot of time with her on stage or even just looking at her on stage because she's always looking out for her and keeping an eye on her in some way. Um, so I kind of put my Demeter head in the in the perspective of how Bomb would see her because um, that's just the only way I'd known. Also, in a way, I relate a bit more to Demeter as a person rather than Bomb. Like, I love playing Bomb, she's, but she's not very me. <laughs> so yeah. I would look at Demeter and be like, I'm a bit more of an anxiety kind of like anxious <laughs> head. So when especially being thrown on last minute, that, that acting choice came out strong because yeah. I was anxious and scared. Um, but it came out in, the, in a nice way, I guess, um, at least in a, fit the character a bit. Um, but so yeah with Demito it was like I kind of knew how to play her because of being with Bomb and how she treats her um it is different doing it yourself though um but I mm -hmm. really enjoyed doing it there was one moment actually that I had um when I was doing a little bit of work on Demeter that I had um I had a very short amount of time before I went ended up going on and it was the moment at the end of Remark when uh, Grizabella is walking off, the whole tribe are just like staring her down saying, go away. And it goes into Bustopher Jones, which obviously it didn't on the ship. So that transition of Demeter following Grizabella off, one thing I was told was let the scene carry on, let Bustopher Jones start, but don't take your concentration off of Grizabella because like, your thought process is on her at that point. So that was one thing I would never have known because A, it didn't happen on the ship. It went straight into something else. I can't remember what it was. I think it was Mungo Jerry or something. Um, and B, yeah, I'd never been through that rehearsal process in the rehearsals for me to know that was a thing. Um, mm -hmm. So little things like that, which are integral to the story, I was a bit like, oh gosh, like I have no idea what's going on, especially because I had no history with it. Um, yeah. So it was interesting to find out new parts of the show just from playing new parts. Because um, I'm still learning about the show. Like I'll listen to parts of your podcast and be like, oh my gosh, didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I've done it for so long. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, and that's such an interesting piece of it too. Because like even little things, I don't think there's an answer to a lot. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm sure there's an answer if you ask the original people that created the show or like at least yeah. their thought process. But what has sustained this show is the fact that there isn't an answer to so much of this stuff and it allows you to kind of play with that. And I, I do kind of love the like idea of, okay, you're picking up a new piece. Did, as you did the, f like from going from the shortened show to the full show, like did having a Bustifer and some of these other characters change anything about your perspective of your, the way you played the story? It's like, you now have an other interact. Now, I guess Bustifer is kind of a worthless, walks in, <laughs> does this thing, walks out. But there are other cats that are not on the ship that are part of the show that actually do have like some really interesting stories. Did that, like, did, did your bomb necessarily or Demeter evolve as you went from, wow, now I got to figure out how to interact with a Buster for or interact with the twins or whoever might not have made it 
through from the ship to Taiwan? I don't think so much because kind of like you say, Bustopher Jones, she's just a cute old little yeah. number. Um, <laughs> only thing is because Jenny sings it, I did have to have a connection with it. Um, and in mm -hmm. a way that kind of helped me with her storyline because she has that great tap number, but then it's kind of like, cool, Jenny's just there now. Um, she's there as mum. She's kind of enjoying her time. But it added something else to her story, which I don't think would have done without Bustopher. Just that she's... Yeah. She's still kind of there. She's got some love going on. Um, it, it made her really fun to play. Uh, so with that, not so much. I did really get a bit of a, I did like a personal connection more with Gus once seeing um, his story continue a bit more. Because mm -hmm. on the ship, his number is so short and he just sings his little number and he toddles off and that's it. And I just think, oh, he, he deserves a bit more than that. Um, yeah. So to see his kind of love for theatre, especially him come back on at the end and kind of reprise his number and get so emotional. And um, our Gus on the tour was incredible at it. Um, honestly, I watched him do it and I just like started to ball. Um, it really connected me to that character, at least. I guess that's not necessarily changing how I would act, but my connection to particular character stories yeah. weren't necessarily my own change yeah and i think that's that is such a that's that was kind of my question is like it is a difference i guess if gus is getting way less time on the, the ship of the song and then you're getting more mm. you are getting a different show i mean you're going from 90 minutes to two and a half like it's an extra hour yeah. or 45 minutes at least with intermission like that that's a lot more show and i know a lot of that is dancing and parts that are just cut from you know other pieces here and there but there's also actual like full-on sections cut Mm -hmm. And so it does feel different. I've like, I've kind of been dying to see the 90 minute version. Cause I want to be like, all right, does this change any of the relationships that could have been played or the thoughts there? Because you, you lose some of the whole like big storyline. Yeah. And I think what's important is that I had just as a, amazing a time and found just as big a love for the show by starting with the 90 minute version. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I remember whilst I was doing it, I was really enjoying doing the show. And then my two best friends on the ship were like, right, you need to watch the 98 film because you've not yeah. seen it. Because they would be like, oh my gosh, Peaks and Pollicles. And I'm like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you must see it. It's a must see. And now I've done it. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's a crazy part of the show. Um, but we sat down like one night in my cabin with blankets and everything. And we watched the film and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Now I get it. Um, but I wouldn't say that I, I've, I've loved finding out new things about the show by doing the full version um, and seeing new interactions and new parts coming out and little character moments be seen. Um, but I wouldn't say it loses anything from what it's, from its oh, version. It's definitely, it was definitely the right decision for the ship. I think uh, totally the show that it is, it w it wasn't, the right kind of show to be that length um well and i you know I, I talked to somebody who did it before they cut it to 90 minutes on on the ship and mm. because of the way the show's is is built you have little memory to end act one and they said that like nobody came back for act two because everyone just thought that that was the end yeah and they're like we've got to figure out how to solve that it's so, like that alone makes sense of like if you have a an audience that is willing to get up midway through and leave you definitely are got to hold them through intermission. And so I thought that was actually a very smart decision. And then I was like, what'd they cut? And I was like, oh, it's Buster for 
we'll be fine. You know, like <laughs> things, things like that. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll be okay. Um, but I, I love hearing you talk about the character interactions and moments. So is there, what are some of the ones that you, maybe not either that you got to play or that you got to watch, like what are some of the character uh, relationships and choices that you really love seeing happen uh, on stage? Uh and again, I think for me, I noticed a lot of these more by doing it in Asia. And I mm-hmm. don't know if it's because I could distance myself from it a bit more. Um, well, I, cause, because we've grown strong relationships and friendships when I was on the ship. So naturally, if I had a close, fr- I was close friends with my Alonzo, for example. So we would have quite a few more interactions than I may have done with the Alonzo on in the Asia tour, just, just because friendships and everything coming onto stage. It's, it's a very intimate show. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, with the Asia tour, I was kind of stepped back. I was new. I was fresh. So I was letting the relationship happen. If anyone came to me, I felt I was getting involved. If I saw someone and I wanted to interact, I would go and interact and it was great. But I also loved watching the interactions happen. Um, I remember, for example, watching, I would either be off stage watching moments or when I was ended up being on stage, I was also watching my other covers just to be like, Oh, what are they doing? Where are they? What are they on this point? Um, and I remember I would always catch eyes with our Jenny. Um, mm. she was a very new one for me. Um, character wise, as I say, like Demeter, I had some way of knowing how to be her. Um, but Jenny was very fresh. So, try and see what she was like on stage and how she would be in her numbers that didn't involve her and her interactions with all the kittens i loved it she was proper mum she was especially with like carl buckety for example and like mm-hmm. bill bailey she'd get them all involved um and i loved seeing that play out so that when it ended up being my turn that happened more naturally because i was like they were coming to me and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, of course. Like this is what happens. And I feel like I'm getting into character by them being here. And um yeah, I loved being able to actually have a go at doing that as well as seeing it for myself and enjoying watching it. Um but yeah, I think the character interactions on stage are so important, even if they're not necessarily the highlighted moment in a song or a scene. Um it's creating the story for the whole stage. Um, yeah, I think that's, going. I think that's what makes the show. And I kind of love, you know, I've, as I've done this so many episodes and I've kind of read from the, this all started for me reading from the fan, fan theories. Cause I'd only seen it twice. I really knew nothing about it. And I I've started to pick up that so many of the moments that are like, wait a second, these two might be this type of relationship are just because the actors and actresses are friends. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, these aren't supposed to be together. But they are. And it's like, I love hearing you say that, like, oh, I got to my Alonzo's my friend. So Alonzo and Bomb, all of a sudden, there's maybe this chemistry that like otherwise isn't supposed really to be there. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really that simple. But mm-hmm. it also is kind of interesting when you think about you joining late in Taiwan when you don't have all those relationships established. It's a where are you going to plug in and start to create those in the moment? And it's, um, I, it's what I think is cool about the shows because there's just so many different variations of like, here's, you know, here's what I saw today versus what you saw, and this swing is on, and exactly this every show is different. Doing it different. And I love it. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back for more of the wrong cat died. I want to pivot a little bit to talk about something that I think you've done an amazing job of, and I wish more people were doing, which is 
using the fact that you have cats to use like for your TikTok. No. And so I have loved seeing that you were able to do like, I think cats is built for transitions on TikTok. Like everyone who's performing has the ability to do pre getting in costume and post getting in costume, which is like a TikTok yeah. trend for everybody. If it's going to so take me an hour, tell me to do a little bit makeup. about how you started. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's going to take yeah, an hour to do that makeup, I'm going to do it. Um, I, you know, like 2020, everyone got into TikTok and having a bit of fun with it. So, yeah, I got involved. And um, on the ship, especially, there's a lot of pastime, a lot of time to kill. Mm-hmm. And you'd see a little sound come up and be like, that would be funny. And I remember the first one we yeah. did was, um, I think it was like a SpongeBob sound that's like why aren't you in uniform and everyone went off Mm -hmm. and everyone comes back on and i we'd known these people for a month but we were like guys let's make a tiktok let's so i got we got about probably more than half of the cast together to make this like cute tiktok of us changing in from humans into cats and everything and it went it did pretty well on tiktok and i loved doing it it was just it made it fun um in the behind the scenes moments, I guess, and created little memories. Um, and because it was doing well as well, obviously that's always a motivator and a bit of fun. Um, and then, yeah, you, you see a new sound, you're like, well, may as well do that as a cat. <laughs> and you see a transition video come up and I'm like, oh, well, I could do that from human to cat um, or anything like that. So yeah, I loved getting involved and then got to Asia and those guys are doing it as well. And I'm like, well, clearly it's great. So then we're all getting involved in doing TikToks. And um, yeah, I love it. It's definitely also just sharing the love for the show as well. And then you find people that mm-hmm. are like, oh my gosh, I was on the ship on this date and I watched you guys in the show. And I was like, how did you find that? And so it, it also lets people find us. And it's like fun. It's nice to hear that people have enjoyed watching the show as well as seeing that we're normal. I'd say normal but fun humans yeah. in the background as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, it's so it's fun. So my, I mean, my TikTok's obviously just for the podcast. So it's like my algorithm is built for, mm. for cats and musical theater. And I'm, I've been surprised at how few, and your cast does have a couple people, at least in Taiwan that were doing it. And I'm like, finally, because <laughs> it's, it's not as many people have done it before. And granted, TikTok wasn't big until, you know, recently. Um, but one thing I had heard is I was giving a former Ramdo Tugger a hard time about this off, off camera. And he was like, yeah, by the time we get to intermission, everyone's like exhausted. And the last thing they want to do is film it. So how did you kind of get your cast to be like, all right, hold on. I know we're about to go on stage. I know we're about to perform for almost three hours in front of a full crowd, but like, let's quickly (laughs) dance this number after, after we get our makeup on. Well, uh, especially like my two friends on the ship, we would be like, right, we are going to be ready by the 20 minute call. We're doing this TikTok and then we'll do the show because we didn't have the intermission. So we didn't yeah. have the in between. Um, obviously, at the end of the show, it wasn't going to happen. What I did find was it was always on the days where we'd had a two show day. Uh, so most of us uh, lucky people that didn't necessarily sweat it off, kept our makeup on between the shows. Um, so it was very quick for us to get ready for the second show. Therefore mm. we would be like, ah, oh, we're, we're ready early. Why don't, why don't we film TikTok? Um, yeah. so it was always on those days that we found it. And then other days someone would be like, guys, guys, I just found this sound. Let's, let's try this one. 
Um, and then we'd be doing it and someone would come in and go, oh, can I be in it? <laughs> so then we get, we'd get people would want to do it rather than just having to be like, let's, let's find the time. Um, I loved doing it. And it was just also like the, the makeup, like transition ones are always fun as well. Like when you're doing that mm-hmm. by yourself, uh, filming like, um, what's it, the time lapses and everything. Um, then I like I still look back on them now, especially because the makeup plots are so different between the two productions that I'm looking at them going, "Wow, that's very different." Um, which is also why maybe uh, fans love seeing it as well because they're like, "Look at the difference between all the different productions as well on how they look and how they do their makeup and everything." So it was just it was mainly all just a bit of fun for me. Um, yeah, if people are enjoying it; it's a bonus. But I was enjoying myself, so <laughs> it's great. I- I think that's the only way it succeeds is if it's like, if it's fun for you, then, you know, hopefully other people do it. Cause otherwise if it feels like yeah. a job at your point, it's honestly the reason I still record these is that I, you know, they're still really fun for me to, to hear and learn about the different productions versus mm-hmm. it feeling like, oh, I got to talk cats again. You know, like <laughs> if, the, if it gets to that moment, then all of a sudden it becomes, it becomes not fun for you. And I don't think the quality of what is produced is, is as good. Mm. I feel like if anyone thought like that, people wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't have done cats for the second time. Some people do cats for years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's one of those that once, once you know about it, once you love it, that's it. You're in, <laughs> you're in for the long yeah. haul. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, I know. You know, I've met people who've done the show eight, nine times. And then you've also on the fan side, you know, you have people that have seen it hundreds of times. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I've seen it and, once <laughs> now. Yeah. You've just one time. Did you so you didn't watch it as you were like in in Taiwan on the days you weren't on? So I did a show watch. So I was given a watch of the show, but I was making notes. Um, but I actually we had a booth, so we were off stage. Swings mm. were singing in the booth. Uh, so didn't help with me trying to make notes in the shows because I was busy singing. But it kept us involved in the show as well, and we would be there like having our own little like rituals and stuff during the show, like having little moments between us and. Um, so that was a whole different side of the show, uh, yeah. seeing it, watching the band play. Because that was another thing, actually a difference. The ship was on a click track, so it's to a track. So oh, the, interesting. the music is the same every night at the same length. You, you follow the music, whereas obviously to an extent you follow the music with a band, but the band follow you. So it that was very different as well. Um but seeing the band play and seeing all the instruments coming out, the flute, for example, like, and seeing the, the drums going and missed and seeing the pianist playing such incredible like music, it gave me a whole different perspective on the show that I was like, wow, this is a whole thing that I didn't even get to experience the first time. Um, so yeah, there's always new things to find out about this show. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, and you you toured a little bit too, so each theater is probably slightly different, and there's yeah. like slight tweaks to the set, and there's all kinds of other stuff, and then you've got swings going on, you've got different people making slightly different choices. So it is one of those shows that there are many shows where I feel like you know you get roughly the same thing every time. You know, like there's even though there's different people and everything, it's pretty much the same show. There's not a lot of liberties you can take. Whereas I think in cats mm-hmm. you get a lot more like small liberties because there's so the lack of plot almost allows you to create more throughout. And yeah, I've, I've only seen the show four times, which is crazy live. Um, but all four were also very different, uh, experiences of who was doing this and who was doing that. And of course the second two times I now knew way too much about the show. First two times I knew nothing. 
Some times I'm like, wait a second, I know everything now, or I know, I know way too much. Mm. And even then I'm like, I was noticing different moments where back-to-back shows, people made different choices. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, it's a show with no script. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're not singing and so, for example, I get my, my stage plan and I'm there as Demeter and it's Gus, I'm told you're there, not told anything else. I'm just told to yeah. watch Gus and, and sit in that spot. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, all the choices are mine. It doesn't have to be the same as that Demeter. It doesn't have to be the same as the next Demeter. Um, same with any other character. If I'm if I'm on stage and it's a new Carbucci on the stage, they're making completely different choices, but they're being their own version of that character. So that's why every show is going to be different because there's so many numbers where even characters that will sing one or two lines the entire show on their own. So they've got all these numbers to make their own choices without even saying anything. Um, mm-hmm. And so much of the storytelling is because we are portraying something physically. The acting is all going to be physical and with our bodies and with our faces and stuff. So a lot of character choices are going to come just by watching and not necessarily listening, which I really mm-hmm. loved. Yeah. Such a unique, unique piece to it. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's cool too, with you getting to experience so many different versions, like, yeah, you, you talk about that for most people. It's like, yeah, you get to see some tweaks here, but you got to experience like two different shows almost. I'd say four because four, three, yeah. three different shows of three different cats and yeah. a whole other show is bomb. So yeah, very, very lucky. Oh, even five swing off stage booth. That's a whole yeah. other show. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm very lucky. Let's, <laughs> let's do some rapid fire. So. Um, if you could go on for one night, uh, and I know you, you pretty much just finished, so let's say, uh, ignoring, you know, whether it's male, female vocal range, just if it's like, ah, I would love to just play this, this role one night, one time, who would you want to go? Oh, I think I loved, I love Bill Bailey for some reason. I wish I could flip like that, but he's just such a fun kitten that can also express his kind of like playfulness by doing mm-hmm. all these flips and stuff, which is crazy. And audiences live for it. So yeah. I'd love to play him. <laughs> I love it. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats in the show? Uh, I feel like my own personal view of it is from like seeing them play on stage. I've always had a little soft spot for Carbuckety or Pounceable. Um, mm-hmm. In both productions, I've had such sweet interactions with that character and always enjoyed like playing off of them and then watching them as well. Um, I have a little soft spot for the kittens, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But Carbuckety especially, which I think is kind of a niche answer maybe. Um, Definitely. But just very, very, very cute. Um, I don't know about least favorite. Um, I don't know. Like I've never really been that fussed about Grizz. <laughs> And I feel like okay. that is a very, I don't know. I just, I just feel like she, she, she's, I want her to be more present maybe in moments. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like she comes on, goes off, comes back on 50 minutes later. And I'm like, where have you been? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is great from the last backstory. question. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, um, oh yeah. Yeah. But, I, if you, if she's your least favorite, then I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited to ask you who your joyful choice is um let's go with favorite song favorite song from the show uh the opening it's just so epic and i just remember like i i get to the end of the opening and i think that's that's insane that we just did that 
And I remember watching it and thinking, that's a whole sceptical. Like, the ball itself is incredible, always gets a massive round of applause at the end. But I say the opening is just as impressive as the ball because it's the same amount of dancing and singing. Mm. And it's, everyone gets introduced, everyone's got their moment and their line. Like, it's just a whole ensemble piece. And I love it. Yeah. Um, here's my fun one, which is, which cat do you think would be the best TikTok influencer? Ah, maybe, maybe Mungo and Rumple. I think they'd make a good pair. Ooh, what's good their content? Good online duo. Prank videos. Prank videos. <laughs> I, I, so I've asked this question a lot now, and I've answered it a lot of different ways. I don't think I've ever answered them, but I kind of like the idea of like, they're the, yeah, they're doing... So I think like they're like naughty, but like people like it, you know. <laughs> they're the ones dressed up as the like uh trees and hiding and jumping out at people and Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. I always thought it was I thought it was gonna be a Victoria or a bomb doing, you know, makeup tutorials. Dances yeah. And makeup tutorials. <laughs> or Bus for Jones doing cooking. I love that. <laughs> that's that's or like, where I'm kinda or like Jenny Any Dots doing like cleaning videos or like housekeeping oh, so, videos. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. she sleeps all day, so she's not gonna. Very true. Like she's she's not she doesn't have the time for that. She's got to do a regular work. <laughs> she doesn't have the energy to do the fun stuff. Um, okay, so my million dollar question, and I, I'm I'm hopeful you're gonna agree with me based on what you your least favorite cat. But this whole podcast has argued that Grizabella is the wrong jellical choice, and that there should be other cats considered and going up to the heavy side layer. So I want to know for you, Lucy. Who are you picking as your jellical choice and why? I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? I feel like it would be a different answer every show, even just by how things are played. Um, but I do, I do always think, like I said earlier, I think Gus deserves better. Justice for Gus. Love it. <laughs> but I don't uh, know. I, could be different every time. I, so. I, so I kind of love, let me ask you this question then. Cause so I love that you said Gus, cause I, especially after you said that your Gus has got like uh, on the ship is much shorter and doesn't get as much of the love. So I'm like, how would you have said Gus if it wasn't for the Taiwan experience? I think mm. is an interesting question, but I want to ask you the question of how do you think old Deuteronomy makes the, the choice every year? Like, is there a criteria? Oh, I don't know. I, f I feel like it would be different every year. Maybe circumstances are different this year. Is it always mm -hmm. someone that's done wrong? Is it always someone that's not necessarily welcomed in the tribe every year? Or is this is this the niche of the year that they've gone, let's make this a musical? I don't know. So whether it's this is a, a special year where he's gone, let's let's do something and let's teach everyone a lesson, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess that's the only positive way I can look at it, being like why he chose her to teach the kittens something, maybe even more teach the adults something of, you know, don't hold a grudge maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I feel like if you're not part of the Jellical tribe, can you go to the Heaviside Lair? Maybe that's, maybe that's a, me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, my, I think it's mostly too, because I saw a lot of very young Grizabellas perform, which I think are, you know, has become a trend over the more recent years is mm -hmm. that I'm like, let her stay a year. Let her, you know, <laughs> let her dance in the ball next year. Like, let's like, let's put her through. Like she's on stage for 15 minutes. Like let her spend a year with her family. Let her go next year. 
<laughs> Give her some time with the kittens. Let her and Vicky yeah. get to know each other. Um, yeah, I think she left, so she's back. Like, let her enjoy her time back. Like, that's the that should be the reward, not mm. the you know the 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 being the choice. Yeah, because it's just it's just a bit like there you are, you're the choice, but you're gone now. So then, what what have they learned? Did your cast ever talk about it or think about like who could be the choice? Like, hey, this is my turn. Today's my day. <laughs> Um, actually, no, we would have little funny moments on stage during like, um, like old Deuteronomy, for example, when he's talking to us and saying like the Jellicle choice and we'd be there going, it's, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. So yeah. like, we'd have little moments like that, but never like properly discussed it, which I'd actually be really interested. Hence maybe why that's you're my, doing this. <laughs> that's my goal. Yeah. It's my goal is to get that to be doing, part of the rehearsal process. Doing God's now. work. Like, all right, let's, let's, yeah, let's. I'm I'm trying here to influence the Jellicle choice for everybody else uh, in the future. Um, this has been so much fun. How can people stay in touch with you and see all those incredible TikToks and everything? Else? <laughs> well, my TikTok and my Instagram are both uh, Lucy Rice ninety eight. Um, it's the best way of finding me. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been so fun. I will link that. And thanks for sharing your stories and all the different experiences you got to have and doing it so shortly after coming back from uh, Taiwan. I'm sure that was a little bit of a, you know, a whirlwind to to finish and, and get back home. Yeah, definitely. But it's so nice to talk about it when it's still fresh and as well and uh, mm -hmm. be able to look back on it definitely and think about, especially even the ship memories too. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you, and thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and threads at The Wrong Cat Die, or check out our website, catdie.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.